This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Academy show here from Blood Red. I'm Guy Clark alongside me, Matt Addison, as we get ready to get stuck into all things out of Kirby. Of course, there was a big heavyweight showdown over in Las Vegas over the weekend, but at Kirby, Manchester City came to town to take on Liverpool's under-18s in what was a top-of-the-table shootout between Barry Lutz's side and the young Man City side that came across. We'll get stuck into that. We'll get stuck into the under-23s and what young players maybe not knocking on the door of Jurgen Klopp's first team squad. And we will finish with our one to watch, a regular little feature that we will continue to bring you here on the Academy Show. Don't forget, if between this episode finishing and the next one we have for you, you have any questions to ask, just pop them in the comments section on our YouTube page and we will look to get to them. This is now going to be a rather regular feature here on Blood Red. As I say, I'm Guy Clark. Alongside me, Matt Addison. Matt was down at Kirby for the game on Saturday, Liverpool under-18s against Man City under-18s. And we'll start there, Matt. And first things first, tell us the result and tell us what went down. Yeah, um, so it was a really exciting game to watch. A fair few people were there actually as well. There was um, a big big group of people watching, which isn't always the case down for the, the under-18s, but plenty of goals, plenty of excitement. And uh, yeah, Liverpool were 3-0 down at one stage, dragged it back to, to 3-2 and then sort of switched off a little bit defensively at the end and, and ended ended up losing 4-2. Uh, so that leaves them nine points behind City at the top of the table, but they do have two games in hand. So, you know, certainly the, the two best teams in that age group in, in Premier League North. And yeah, it was a, a fantastic game to watch, really. And you can uh, read my analysis, if you wish, on the, the Echo website. And they're two sides who are obviously not only at first team level, but youth team level now as well. Liverpool Man City you do seem to be butting heads and going up against one another. And as you say, this would have been a key game for the league title for Liverpool. They they could have really put it to Manchester City. But now nine points behind, they do have those two games in hand. We are now looking at obviously the league picture being out of Liverpool's hands. Yeah, I mean, look, whenever you speak to anybody around the academy and, and Barry Lutis yesterday reiterated it to me after the game, you know, the main thing for these players is is development and, and moving as many of these players up from the 18s into the 23s. But when you're a, a club as, as big as Liverpool or, or Manchester City, of course, winning is important and, and finding that rhythm and that habit. So for these players, I'm sure they're, every single one of them will, will be desperate to have, have won that game yesterday and you know, judging by some of the, the stuff that they all, st- all stuck on social media, you know, they were they were happy enough with the performance, but there's, there's elements that, that they need to improve and, and hopefully they can uh, can do that between now and the end of the season. And, and as you say, it's out of their hands, but keep winning games and, and suddenly that, that nine point gap will, will suddenly close and, and who knows what can happen. I mean, there, there was plenty of, of positives to take from the performance and look, in, in difficult conditions, it was... Uh, it was an entertaining game to, to say the very least. And, you know, for for all, all of these players to, to be playing a, a not a, a traditional rival by, by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly a modern day rival, um, you know, it, it can only be a good thing for their development. You spoke about Barry Lutus and you were able to, to catch up with him after the game. We'll hear from Barry Lutus now, which, as I say, after the game finished 4-2 to Manchester City. But the Liverpool under-18s coach Barry Lutus after the game caught up with Matt. So, Barry, a difficult performance uh, for the boys today in difficult conditions. How do you reflect on that? 
uh, yeah, no, difficult conditions, but you know, in terms of the game, you know, I suppose it's the old adage, it's the same for both. I thought we adjusted quite well. I thought we, I thought we pressed with intelligence, certainly in the first half. We put them under a little bit of pressure where we wanted to, and in the second half, we knew we could go a line higher. You know, we forced them to play a game they probably didn't want to play, and we forced them going long. And I thought at times we made them look a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, you know, probably just, you know, it's probably been the story of our season a little bit, both ends of the box, you know, sorry, both ends, both penalty boxes, we've been a little bit slack, I think, for a few of the goals, you know, not not dishonest in what we're doing, and then the other end of the, you know, we, 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 you know, we've created good enough chances to score more goals today. Yeah, I mean, obviously you were three goals down at one point, and it, it looked like you were going to make that comeback. Um, what do you think would have would have made the difference today for, for you to get that, that extra oh. goal? Yeah, no, I think... Uh, I think when you play, I think when you look back on the game, the game was played in their half of the pitch each half. So when the game's played in half a pitch and it's the half that you're trying to attack, you're always in with a chance of scoring goals. You know, we got the first one back, then we got the second, which was great. So, you know, I, 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 I never I never felt the game was away from us. You know, obviously the fourth one was a killer right near the end, but I never, even a three, I never felt the game was away from us because of the territory we had. We were always one mistake or one little bit of creation away from, from getting a chance. So, you know, I never felt out of it. Uh, it was a great goal from Tom Hill as well. How do you reflect on his performance today? I thought he was one of your standouts, really. Yeah, we, yeah. I thought him and Tyler pressed well in the midfield. Uh, I thought we set traps quite well. I thought we could have been a little bit more aggressive when the ball was played into midfield in the first half. But yeah, you know, I thought a little bit of a different role for Tom and Tyler today. Yeah, and I thought, you know, I thought the pair of them, yeah, I thought they did really well. Uh, obviously, this was a big game in the title race. Um, how do you sort of go from here, and, and how important is that to you this season? But what's important for us is, you know, you know, I think when we reflect on this season, it's not going to be the under 18 title. It's going to be nights at Asta Villa Park. It's going to be nights at Anfield. It's going to be the boys playing for the 23s. You know, listen, it's not going to be about the under 18, and that's not me deflecting. We'll give every game a good go. Uh, but you know, our job is to keep moving boys into the 23s. You know, so last night. To have three boys who've been with us playing in the 23s, that's the job. So, you know, I think I think what people will remember, hopefully the boys who are going to make the first team, I think, you know, when it all when it all settles down, the under-18 league title, yeah, we want to do well, we want to win it, we want to give it a good goal, we're not out of it, we're certainly not out of it, but, you know, it's not something It's not something I'm going to be losing sleep over, you know, you know, my job's to try and produce players for a, a level a lot higher than the under-18s league, you know, to try and get players around the first team and, you know, in the first instance round Critch for the 23s, so, you know, we'll keep moving players up, we'll keep putting good teams out, and today was a good team, and we'll keep competing, and if we keep playing football like that, we're going to win a lot more games than we lose, and whatever happens with the title then happens. But that's not that's not something that's talked about here, you know, at all. And just finally, then, in, in terms of the rest of the season, do you have any specific targets, or, or is it just a case of a yeah, week by no week? specific targets? We come out on the grass every morning, we work hard, and we just keep pushing the boys to be better players. You know, there's no time wasted. No, no the targets. Listen, if we win every game now to the end of the season, we win the league. I'll be happy. The lads will be happy. But that's not that's not what we're rocking to work every morning to do. You know, we've got a real tough job of trying to get boys from this building to the new building over there and you know that's some team to try and get into so you know I'm really clear on where our priorities are and that's probably hard work you know in this weather most mornings trying to get players up and around that new building for new next year how much are you looking forward to the new building being there and, and yeah fa- no fa- fantastic I don't know whether they're ready for the wind okay but yeah no I mean the link's strong you know listen the way the first team manage the boys moving from here up there is, is first class you know boys are up there you know regularly 
you know, staff are in regular contact with us around players. So, you know, listen, the, the only thing is now it's a little bit closer, but, you know, the, the strong relationships that are there will, you know, will continue. But obviously in terms of ease and, and boys just maybe going from one to the other, yeah, maybe a few less taxi journeys. But, yeah, it'll be really exciting to have, you know, I think for us and the feel of it to have the whole club on one site, I think it'll be really special. Barry Lutus speaking with Matt then after the game down at Kirby. A 4-2 defeat for Liverpool, but he seemed pretty upbeat there, Matt. And one of the players you asked him about, Tom Hill, seems to have been one of the players to, to have caught the eye. Yeah, he was uh, one that I picked out for, for my post-match piece yesterday. And, you know, he, he's been one of those players that um, he's a first-year scholar, so he's, he's only just come into the under-18s this season. And, and really started to, to establish himself. I mean, nine goals now from midfield, which is a really good return for a midfielder. Three assists as well. He's, he's a very creative player and, and he was one that sort of, every time Liverpool had the ball and, and tried to counter-attack or, or just attack in, in sort of a, you know, you know, building from the back as they do. I mean, he was one that they looked to every single time to give him the ball and, and sort of let him dictate the play. And it, it was a slightly different role. There was there was him and Tyler Morton both sort of playing that number eight kind of role in in a four three three system. And you know they've kind of they've played in that position before, but I'm not sure both of them have been paired together before. Two very much sort of attacking creative midfielders, which is you know a really interesting sort of thing for, for Barry to, to put into the, the game and, and the tactics for a game of, you know, as we said, you know, of course, development's most important, but it, it was a, a fairly big game, you know, in terms of their season and for him to go quite as attacking and, and bold as he did with that selection, I thought was was really interesting. But yeah, Tom Hill was was the one that stood out to me the most. I think, you know, both both teams were, were very impressive, very much as you do expect them to be at, at that level. But but Tom was one that, even though he's one of the younger, less experienced players, he, he seemed to stand out and, and be counted. Yeah, we often hear coaches after games say players win games. It's about having your strongest players able to, to pick from and choose from. And Barry Lutus, where, there where you're speaking to him, sort of made no bones at the fact that for him, a point we reiterate an awful lot that it's about development. His goal isn't perhaps trying to win this under-18s league title. It would be nice and he wants to win every game for the remainder of the season to try and do that. But his real aim is to provide players for Neil Critchley into the under-23s. And he was able to push three up at the weekend, which obviously supplemented them, made his side slightly weaker, but they were up against, on the other side, a very strong Man City side. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as we know, Liverpool try and, and push players through as, as quickly as possible. And the under-23s played on Friday night, and we'll, we'll come to that shortly. But yeah, that, that left Liverpool a little bit, um, not exposed, but a little bit less experienced than, than what they might have liked to have been. And, and then the opposite was the case, as you say, for Manchester City. Taylor Harwood-Bellis has played six times, I think, in total now for, for Manchester City's first team. Um, Cole Palmer was was a name that people might remember from the FA Youth Cup final last season, which of course Liverpool won. Uh, but I think he was on the score sheet that day um, at the Etihad campus. And uh, yeah, they seem to have gone very, very strong. They seem to want to win this title desperately. Um, and so, yeah, one or two of those players that perhaps ordinarily would have been with the under-23s or, or maybe even training with, with Pep Guardiola and, and his first team and, and sort of in and around that they dropped down and, and Liverpool didn't do that. So, I mean, the, the result kind of is reflected as much in that as anything else. And that's obviously what makes analysing 
under 18s in particular, but under 23 sometimes as well, uh, it can be a little bit distorted by those things. Was it disappointing, I suppose, for Liverpool as well, going into a game of this magnitude to go three goals down and in the end concede four goals to what was the side that you are in direct rivalry for what would be winning the league title? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... Look, I know I always say it, but but Kirby is one of the windiest places I've ever been. It's just, <laughs> we heard that. It, it's, yeah, it, it's unbelievably windy yesterday. And, you know, first half, Manchester City won the toss at, at the start. Uh, they chose to, to switch the teams round and, and had the win behind them in that first half. And, and they went two goals up, very much made the most of that. They they weren't playing as, as a typical Manchester City side. They were knocking a few balls over the top and, and Liverpool, understandably, really struggled to to contain that and um you know in the in, in the second half of course the the wind had, had picked up even more and and Liverpool had, had turned it round but whereas Manchester City were clinical and, and scored the goals when they had that wind then on the counter attack soon into that second half they managed to go 3-0 up and, and from that point on I mean I think I I tweeted at the time you know that's game over and and Liverpool, to be fair, did well to to come back and and make a game of it from that position but yeah you you'd like to think that you know, well, certainly the the players were were frustrated. The manager was frustrated as well to to have gone three 0 down against a team which, realistically, Liverpool and, and City are, are very similar in terms of their capabilities. But yeah, the the conditions. I think City took took advantage of them when they had the chance, but they also had the more clinical players. And uh, Rory Delap's son Liam was was fantastic. Um, Liverpool could have defended that first goal a little bit better, I think. Sometimes it just takes that little bit of experience just to say, you know, just take one for the team. You might get booked if, if you take him out. But just about being streetwise, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he ran sort of at least half the length of the field with the ball and, and then slotted past uh, Jakob Orzinski in, in the Liverpool goal. And you'd imagine that, you know, maybe in, in two or three years' time, once these players are a little bit more streetwise, as you say, that one of them would have just took him out. As bad as that sounds, you know, giving away a, a free kick on the halfway line and and suddenly you save yourself a goal. And yeah, I think the the sort of streetwise nature and, and the clinical nature of, of Manchester City was was the difference, really. And I suppose that, that showed with the last goal, the free kick for Carl Palmer, just taking it quickly, putting it into the back of the net, just as I suppose Liverpool probably thought they were beginning to get themselves back into the game. Yeah, all the momentum at that point was was with Liverpool. They'd come back from, from three goals down to make it 3-2. The win was behind them. They were getting chances and then... Suddenly, you know, a, a free kick is given and the, the players weren't particularly happy about it. I think it, it probably was a free kick, but, you know, the, the players, were, the defence was more concerned with, you know, gesticulating to the referee and saying, you know, come on, that wasn't wasn't a foul. And, and suddenly Manchester City took it quickly, a little ball over the top and, and Cole Palmer finishes the game off. So, yeah, just, just that little sort of learning point that, that they can take forward. And, and as you say, you know, more streetwise, more sort of controlling it in big games like this. And look, it's it's something for them to take forward for the future. And Barry Lutz is saying, obviously disappointed with the manner of the result and how it plays out. We've spoken about wanting to advance that development into the under-23s. A few players not available for Liverpool in this game. We have, I suppose, glossed over that, touched on it. But you mentioned Kirby, the fact the game's played there. And he mentioned the building obviously over his shoulder out of shot as we saw it and if you listen to the podcast it was out of shot anyway because you, you can't sort of have seen the clip of the interview but he did speak about the fact obviously the first team will be on the same base we've heard Jurgen Klopp speak about the wind before um, of course 
But it does feel as though everybody is now beginning to get quite excited because they can see it all actually beginning to build up and develop. Yeah, I mean, it's it's only, what, three, four months away from being completed now. And, you know, to have everyone on one site ready for pre-season is just going to be massively, massively helpful, I think. Look, Liverpool's academy doesn't particularly need any help in terms of getting players through and, and doing well in that sort of side of things, as we've seen. Trent Alexander-Arnold being the, the prime example of, of players that have made that progression. And, you know, Pep Linders has, has been great at sort of helping players from the academy bed in, but it just makes everything so much easier. It's literally going to be on the same site. They can just walk from one pitch to the other. If, you know, somebody picks up a little injury for the first team, rather than, you know, having to get a taxi, as Barry said, um, it's just going to be a case of, you know, having a little word with Neil Critchley and saying, you know, can we can we borrow one of your lads and can they come up? And I just think there'll be more fluidity between the age groups. There'll be much more ease of, of access to that first team, you know, in a physical sense, obviously just being able to walk over, but but just to be able to, even to, to park up in the car park and, and be in amongst the first team to see how they train, to see how hard they work and, and just to, to set that example. I think it's, it, look, it can only be a good thing and, and hopefully it can uh, mean that one or two more of, of these players, as we think they will, will step up and, and make more first team appearances next season. Yeah, hopefully physically there's that flow of being able to just walk across training pitches, but also, I suppose, ideas and methods. And you think of someone like Vita Matos, who obviously arrived at the club in the autumn time, and it was the remit of him to do the role Pep Linders previously had of being the facilitator from under 23s to first team. For him, this is going to be a dream, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely perfect timing for, for him to come in and, and be able to, to work with these players. And obviously anything that Liverpool can do to make that gap as, as small as possible can only be a good thing. And look, it's about time that, that Liverpool caught up and, and did this. It's something that's been talked about now for, I don't know how long, so many years. And you look at Manchester City have, have had it for, well, I mean, how long have they been at the Etihad campus now? Nearly 10 years or so, isn't it? So Liverpool are, are well behind in, in terms of, you know, putting everyone on one side and, and doing it. And look, it can only be a good thing, as I keep saying. Yeah, and as you, as you say, just lastly on it, obviously someone like Tyler Harwood-Bellis, who's played for Man City's under-18s this week, already with a handful of first-team appearances, I imagine he's been able to slot back into them so easy, easily because he is there on the same campus. But we'll, we'll move on. We've obviously covered the under-18s and that game against Manchester City, but worth looking ahead to what's coming up for them. Of course, now they, they are stuck in second place in the, the northern section of the Premier League under-18 table. They played 14, so two fewer than City, as we've said. Nine points behind them. They could close that gap, obviously, to three if they were to, to win their two games in hand. But next up for them is a, a game against Middlesbrough. Yeah, uh, Middlesbrough away is the next game. And, you know, Middlesbrough, I think, down in something like eighth, ninth position in the table. You'd imagine that, you know, it, it'll be a game for them to get back on track and, and hopefully... Uh, get the three points and, and start to close that gap to City. Um, just uh, a final thing from from the game yesterday. Obviously, Leighton Stewart was missing, and we talked about the the lack of clinical finishing, and, and I think possibly he was a little bit missed. We expect that that he'll be out actually for the rest of the season now. With uh, I think it was an ankle injury that he's picked up between last uh, his last appearance. I think he scored a hat trick against Sunderland a couple of weeks back. So uh, really unfortunate for for him but uh, potentially a chance for the likes of Fidelo Rourke, who played yesterday, to, to step up to the plate and, and hopefully fire Liverpool into 
at least, you know, maintaining that second place position, if not challenging City for the title. And I suppose that's a mantle for him to take on the goal scoring burden. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, you look at last season, there was Paul Glatzel, there was Barrett, uh, Bobby Duncan as well. And, um, you know, the, Liverpool have always had someone to step up. This season it was Leighton Stewart. Now it's got to be someone else. And I think Fidel is uh, is perfectly suited and perfectly capable of, of doing that. Yeah, worth keeping an eye on what he can do. And after the, the Borough game, midweek for them next time out, after that is UEFA, UEFA Youth League action. Benfica to come in that. Just brings up to, to scratch, I suppose, on how the, the youngsters are getting on in their UEFA competition. Yeah, uh, so the UEFA Youth League is, is sort of um, a European competition. It, it helps of course, with the the, the development of, of playing teams with different styles and sort of, you know, matching the first team in terms of their Champions League campaign. So, uh, yeah, Liverpool got through in, in that competition. Benfica away on March the 3rd, so it's a, an under-19s team. So they got through their group, which was exactly the same as, as Liverpool's Champions League group. Yep. So they played the same teams there, progressed through. And, um, yeah, away from home, it's a, a one-leg tie, so not two as the Champions League is. Um, straight to penalties if it's drawn. And if Liverpool do win, they'll play either Bayern Munich or Dinamo Zagreb in the next round. So, yeah, um, a really, really interesting tie. Benfica topped their group and, and they had to play Lyon, Leipzig and Zenit. So clearly a decent decent enough test for, for Liverpool to take on. And, and uh, yeah, Barry Lutus will take charge of the team as he always does. And it'll be really interesting to, to sort of see how they get on and... You know, hopefully, of course, the under-18s were knocked out of the, the FA Youth Cup as, as the holders earlier this season. I think it was Tottenham that knocked them out. So hopefully last season they had that big run. Hopefully this season it, it can be in Europe rather than domestically. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Benfica obviously have got a great academy and have produced a number of players for the whole Portuguese system, really, not just themselves in, in recent times, but... Looking at the UA for Youth League and talking about this now because we'll move on to the 23s and there is a bit of a link here because the likes of your Harvey Elliotts and Curtis Jones and whatnot do often feature in this as a as an under-19s competition. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as I said before, the, the development of, of playing these different teams and, and different styles of play and different styles of refereeing, it's, it's something that these players, if they're going to go and play for Liverpool, it's something that you've got to get used to as soon as possible really and Look, Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, people like that, Nico Williams as well have, have played in it in the past for Liverpool and look, they're not at an age where they're going to be playing knockout Champions League games for, for Liverpool's first team. So this is the, the next best thing and I think this is a, a really important competition. I mean, you look at, you know, we, we've spoken in the past about whether players should go out on loan and, and go maybe to the Championship or, or something like that and there's obvious advantages to that but I think... This is certainly an advantage to, to stay in Porter at Kirby or, or at Melwood as, as often these players are, are training now. And uh, yeah, it's it's just something else for, for them to think about and something else for, for them to contend with when they step up. And the, the more exposure they can get to European competition at, at a young age, the, the better it'll be for them. Interesting and certainly something to, to keep an eye on. That game with the uh, Benfica for the under-19s, Tuesday the, the 3rd of March, will be a three o'clock kickoff, of course, 
we will have uh, as much coverage as we possibly can across the Echo and here on Blood Red and we covered I'm sure at length in our next Academy show but on to the under 23s then Matt and since we were last around the table and chatting all things Academy they played Wolves away from home in their Premier League 2 campaign and their Premier League Cuppers seen them welcome Huddersfield which was I think just on Friday actually just gone 3-0 win for them yeah, uh, a comfortable win. Um, it was a, a game that they needed to win actually to get to get through in that Premier League Cup, and uh, yeah, um, puts them on the verge of, of qualification. Not quite there yet. They play again, I think, on Monday afternoon, um, and they will need a point, I think, to, to guarantee that they progress. But um, worth worth winning that game um, because if you finish top of your group in the Premier League Cup, you're then drawn at home, guaranteed to play at home in the first knockout stage. So certainly it's uh, a game that they will have an eye on. And uh, yeah, goals from Liam Miller, Sepp Vandenberg, who who seems to be coming into a little bit of form recently, um, and Hardy as well, the, the new January signing. So a comfortable win. And I think look for, for them to get through in, in that competition and, and have a, a few more games and a bit more of a, a run in that than, than perhaps they've had in the past can only be a good thing. So yeah, hopefully they can get another three points against Sunderland, Certainly, if they avoid defeat, they'll they'll progress. And, and yeah, it's uh, certainly uh, an interesting competition to keep an eye on. Last time, of course, we were doing the Academy show was just before that FA Cup fourth round replay with Shrewsbury Town. We were looking forward to seeing how many of the young lads, well, we knew it was going to be all young lads, but who was going to play where, how it was all going to come about and how Liverpool were going to get on. Obviously, got through in the cup and now the first team obviously played Chelsea there's a lot of intrigue as to which youngsters may or may may not get picked for that game at Stamford Bridge but just from I know it's only been a couple of games but have you been able to notice and see a step up in confidence you said Sepp Vandenberg beginning now to perhaps show the potential that we all assumed he had when Liverpool brought him in 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 the summer but it does seem these first team opportunities they've had are, are probably psychologically maybe more than than physically really boosting these players yeah, a hundred percent for for uh, Sepp Vandenberg. I think is it's probably the one that that, that difference has, has sort of made you know the biggest change in him and for him to to get on the score sheet again. That's just going to boost his confidence even more. I thought against Shrewsbury he was he was absolutely brilliant. I mean he, it, that was by far and away the the best I've seen him play. And for him to to take on that responsibility and he seemed to be far more aggressive than he normally has been. He's obviously a a tall, big, strong player, but you know that that always hasn't. It's not always come through when he's been playing for the under twenty threes this yeah. season. Sometimes you know big aerial forwards and, and long balls over the top have, have caused him trouble. But you know I, I must admit I was slightly concerned for him playing against Shrewsbury. That being the case, and you know he he just strolled through the game and, and didn't look phased at all. So for for him to to have sort of kicked on again from that, I think is a, a real positive and. Look, there's there's a lot of of young players trying to come through, and and he's obviously one of them. Keon Hoover as well, I think, is is kind of a, a similar level. They're at a very similar age, obviously both from the Netherlands as well. So, lots of similarities there. And look, long term, is he going to be a Liverpool player at first team level? Who knows? But certainly making strides in the right direction. He's certainly got the the frame and the assets he needs to be a big, domineering, powerful centre-half. But I suppose as much of it is mental as anything, as you say, of attacking the ball and really going for it. I suppose that clean sheet, though, because we, we haven't obviously touched on the FA Cup game. We will briefly just here. But I suppose the 
clean sheet as much as obviously the win for Liverpool was as big as anything because we'd spoken about Kevin Kelleher going into the game that he'd conceded five against Arsenal, five against Aston Villa. He was between the sticks, Hoover and Sepp Vandenberg in front of him. I mean, Nico Williams was probably the standout player on the night along with those in the forward ranks and he just seemed to be the next cab off the rank in the right-back production line for Liverpool following on from Trent Alexander-Arnold. But I imagine that clean sheet was probably as big as the goal for the team. Yeah, it was absolutely massive. And I mean, Sepp Vandenberg is, is still only 18. I think Keanu Hoover is as well. And, you know, certainly for, for those players, that sort of position particularly goalkeepers, but, but centre-backs as well. It, it tends to be that they develop a little bit later and they come into their prime a little bit after attacking players and sort of wingers and that sort of thing. So for them to have put in a performance as, as dominant and, and as strong as what they did at that age, I think it just goes to show how much talent and how much ability there is there. And, you know, it, it shouldn't be a massive surprise. Obviously, you look at the calibre of, of clubs, Bayern Munich certainly were, were really interested in Vandenberg and, and Liverpool as well, as, as we know with with their recruitment, they they search all over the world for, for these top talents and for, for him to have been the one that they chose to go for in the end. Of course, there was there was reason and, and rhythm behind that. But um, look, for, for them to have put in a performance at that age against a, you know, a, a team, obviously Shrewsbury are not the biggest team in the world, but... Still a league side up there. Yeah, still a, a professional outfit and, and a team that, you know, you, you might have gone into that game being a little bit fearful or or whatever, expecting a little bit more from, from the visitors and look, Liverpool just seemed to stroll through that game and look, if, if they get further opportunities, whether that's this season or, or going into next season, I don't think anybody would be concerned at all about any of these players playing again. We'll dip back into how obviously the, the 23s have been getting on, spoke about the, the games against Wolves and Huddersfield, but a couple of names that we've already mentioned from the under-18s who seem to have made that step up and seem to be enjoying their time playing for Neil Critchley's side, Jake Kane and Leighton Clarkson, two midfielders who do seem to be progressing through the youth ranks quite nicely. Yeah, again, we, we mentioned the FA Youth Cup before and, and two standout performers throughout that run last season. I expected that, that both of them would move up to the 23s almost straight away, to be honest, um, over the summer and looking in, into this season. Both of them actually started with the under-18s and, and then have since moved up to the, the 23s over the last sort of maybe month, two months. Um, certainly Clarkson uh, went up first and seemed to be the first to make that move, but it seems that, that Kane now has, has joined him. And, and rightly so, I mean, both of them, not the not the most physical or, or the biggest, and again, you know, I, I was slightly concerned about that heading into the Shrewsbury game. But the ability, the the technique that they've both got, and that sort of tactical awareness at, at a young age to be able to to slot into a, a system as as complex and as well thought out as as what Liverpool's first team is, um, it, it you know it it's certainly promising. I think. Look, Liverpool's midfield is there's loads of of options at first team level and. There's huge competition, but but both of these players have have sort of made the most of that. And rather than looking at it and thinking, oh, I've got no chance of, of breaking into this team, they they seem to have learned from from the players at, at the top, and they just keep getting better and better and better. That does seem to be the mindset of running right through the youth sides: is that these youngsters aren't being phased by thinking, oh, actually. Am I going to get an opportunity at first team level? They're actually thinking. And I'm, I'm sure they're probably told on a daily and weekly basis. Don't get ahead of yourselves and think about that. You've got to get to the standard of knocking on the door before you can actually start thinking. Where do I fit in the first team picture? 
Yeah, and it, I mean, it must be so difficult for them as well because they've seen someone like Harvey Elliott, who's a couple of years younger than both of these players, come in and, and sort of slot straight into that first team. And there must be, you know, there must be a little bit of jealousy or a little bit of, you know, wanting that to be them. But it's just that mentality for them to be able to just carry on training, doing what they're doing, keep making that progression and and having complete trust in, in the academy system and, and Barry Lutus or, or now Neil Critchley with the under-23s and... And trusting that you know the coaching, the work that they put in is going to come to fru- come to fruition, I should say. Um, and you know they they keep making these steps forward. And, and whether they make it at Liverpool, whether it's another Premier League club, whether it's a Championship club, you know both of these players, I'm sure, are going to go on and, and have fantastic careers. Yeah, and we aren't just a exercise here on the Academy Show that looks back on what's been going on. We do look forward, and of course, on Monday, the first team play West Ham United in the Premier League. The under-23s are also going to be in action themselves and might have a two, two of the big guns to call upon, two lads we've already mentioned in Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott. Yeah, um, certainly interesting that, that neither of those two players played on Friday. You wouldn't imagine that they'll be in the first team set up for, for Monday night's game against West Ham just when you think of, you know, Takumi Minamino and, and Adam Lallana have both m- missed out on that 18-man squad recently. So I'd imagine that given that, that neither of them are, are likely to play a part in the Premier League game, you'd imagine that they will play for the under-23s. And again, you know, it's another opportunity for them to, you know, show off what they can do. And again, it comes back to mentality. You know, they've been in and around the first team, obviously, both of them massively influential against Shrewsbury in the FA Cup. And, for them to, to drop back down and, and you know they've shown time and time again that they'll they'll do that and it'll be no problem at all and, and working with with Neil Critchley again and you know hopefully they can can put in an exciting performance get that win I said to you know before to to make sure that they top the group and, and get through in in the Premier League Cup so certainly a, an opportunity for both of them again to to get more minutes and if people uh, want to go down and see them I'm sure Kirby will will be open and, and ready for for visitors. Yeah, Monday. two o'clock kickoff on Monday to uh, take on Sunderland in that Premier League Cup game. Good uh, point you mentioned there, Matt. Again, there will be coverage across the Echo once more on that. To finish the month then for the 23s is an away game with Blackburn Rovers in the Premier League 2. And then into March, there's a uh, two-week or best part of two weeks, 10 days or so, gap for the under-23s before they themselves are up against a European outfit. But this, of course, the uh, very confusing Premier League International Cup. But it's Wolfsburg who will be entertained on the 10th of March. And, uh, well, they're a side that I imagine will will pose a bit of a test for this young side. Yeah, again, um, massive opportunity for these players. They've they've earned that opportunity as well. They topped a group, in, including PSG, Athletic Bilbao and, and Wolves. So they've managed to, to get through that group you know, to, to be playing at home against Wolfsburg is, is a big tie. It's a big opportunity for them to, to play a team that they wouldn't ordinarily have, have been coming up against. And, you know, Wolfsburg have, have beaten West Ham, Brighton and Valencia in their group. They won all of those games, top the, the group with maximum points. So obviously, again, obviously a decent side, a decent test and, and hopefully they can, can get through and, and have a little bit of a, a run in this this competition. Yeah, it won't be an easy assignment for the under-23s, but we'll wait and see how that one does play out. I'm sure here on the uh, Academy Show we'll be back before that one just to uh, preview and look ahead to that one, obviously with more of an eye and more of an inkling into exactly what side Neil Critchley may be looking to call upon. But one 
player he, he may be able to, to call upon before the season's out. We've already mentioned that Leighton Stewart's picked up that ankle injury and may struggle to play again before the season's out. But one lad who's been speaking this week to the Liverpool club website and seems to be uh, nearing a return, certainly into to, to training now, turn 19 this week, is Paul Glatzel, who, I mean... You can fill us in on his story, Matt, but if there's one lad who's suffered with poor luck in recent seasons, it is Paul Glatzel. And just good to see that interview he's done with the club. He seems upbeat, he seems happy, talking about the influence that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain has had on him, helping him get back from this ACL injury he's had. But he has been through the ringer, hasn't he? Yeah, he's he's had a tough time over the years with injuries and he's been so unfortunate. I think the season before last, I think he was out for, for pretty much the whole season with a broken leg. He's then come back, scored, I think, 28 goals in the side that, that won in the FA Youth Cup, um, captain the side to that victory, playing alongside Bobby Duncan. Obviously, he's now departed, but the, the two of them worked together fantastically well. And yeah, he then went on the first team pre-season. Jurgen Klopp absolutely loves him from from everything that I've heard. And, you know, for, for him to then get injured against Tranmere, Miss virtually the whole season was was absolutely gutting for for him and for everyone who knows him. And you you sort of can't help but feel sorry for him in that he's obviously a, a fantastic player, fantastic talent. Turned nineteen this week actually, but obviously as I mentioned, he's he's missed a couple of years of of his development now. So in terms in sort of football age, if you like, he, he's still only really sixteen or seventeen in terms yeah. of the the years that he's had to to progress. And I think it. it Certainly the, the words that he's had to say this week about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain say a lot about Chamberlain, of course, and, and the influence that he's had on these young players. But it says a lot about him as well, that he'd come out and he'd been so positive and so upbeat. And hopefully, as he says, hopefully he can come back before the end of the season. And, you know, ACL injuries are, are never nice. They're, they're, they are long-term and it's a, a difficult comeback to make. But hopefully he can uh, get himself back on the pitch and potentially could be involved in, in first team pre-season again next summer which you know it would be a massive step forward for him and a, a massive reward for such a, a long hard recovery that he's been through yeah it'd be great to just uh, see him back out on the the pitch remember going to a academy um pre-season training camp they did I invited blood red along to to film the lads going through some army exercises and it was the weekend it was after the weekend in which Powell had picked up his knee injury and there was a lot of uh, concern for obviously his own well-being but great to see those quotes great to see him getting back towards training and hopefully get some football before the end of the season well that recaps the major talking points we've got to go through on the academy show but as we're going to do regularly here and we do want to sort of close out on this it's going to be our, our one to watch Matt every time that we sit down to do one of these is going to pick out a player to just keep a track of their progress and let you know how they're getting on and perhaps one player who in the coming months, coming weeks, we might begin to hear his name a bit more often. And well, Matt, the floor is yours. Take it away with who the uh, the pick is for this this time's one to watch. Yeah, uh, so a very interesting player at this time. He's actually one that I picked out on, I think, Wednesday or Thursday. And I'm going to have to get you to back me up on this one yep. because he did actually score yesterday. And that is not the only reason that I am picking him. But Max Voltman um, is the player that I've chosen this time, I think. He's going to get more and more opportunities over the next few weeks. He came off the bench yesterday. Um, I tweeted as he came off the bench, you know, keep an eye on him. He's got an eye for a goal. Of course you did. Within 30 seconds, he found the back of the net and helped Liverpool towards what looked to be a comeback. And, and ultimately, as we said before, didn't didn't quite materialise. But 
Um, yeah, certainly knows where the goal is, energetic, lively, and I think I can see him getting more and more chances, particularly, as we said, with that injury to, to Leighton Stewart. I think Barry Lutus is, is going to look to him more and more, and he was one that um, someone picked him out last summer as, as being one to, to step up from the under-16s to, to the under-18s this season. It's not quite happened for him just yet. All the players have sort of taken priority and, and quite often he's been stuck with a, a place on the bench. But, you know, if you are patient, you will get your chance. And, and someone like Jack Byrne, who was in a very, very similar position actually to, to Max last season where he was very highly rated and, and Barry Lutus said to me a number of times that he wanted him on the pitch more and he, he sort of felt sorry for him that, that there was players ahead of him in the pecking order. I think it's very similar with, with Boltman this season and, you know, he'll be, be taking a look at, at Jack's story and, and now Jack Byrne played for the under-23s as he has been doing regularly this season. Um, he played for them on, on Friday night and, and did exceptionally well. So, you know, as much as... He's not been given as many opportunities as he might have liked this season. That's not to say that the next season he couldn't step up maybe and become a, a regular for the 18s and, and then who knows, maybe the, the 23s as well. Yeah, some people think we just throw this together, Matt. But as, as you said, you did mention that you were going to speak about Max in the week before we sat down to do this. So nice to uh, have seen him get a goal. But in terms of even his junior football pedigree, before he even was taken into the Liverpool system, he's got a bit of pedigree. I believe. He certainly has, yeah. I mean, he's he's been at the academy now since the age of seven and, and now obviously a first-year scholar. I think he's still 17. So, um, But yeah, he, he played actually junior football for Jay Spearing's old team. So there's certainly a precedent there. Greenlees FC in Wallasey. So a nice little potential link towards a, a first-team appearance in future. And certainly if he can go on and, and have as good a career as what Jay's had, then I'm sure he'd be very, very happy with that. Well, closing statements then for us to uh, just wrap things up then here on the Academy show. And obviously we'll be back in a few weeks' time. But just looking ahead, we've mentioned the immediate fixtures that are in the offing for the under-18s and the under-23s. But if you look into March and what is to come, big, big game, same weekend for both the 18s and 23s to come. Yeah, uh, so the same weekend actually that Liverpool's first team plays Everton on the Monday night. On the Saturday, it's the under-18s playing Everton. The 23s uh, then play Everton on the Sunday. So three days, three different games, three different Merseyside derbies. So, uh, Merseyside derby bonanza. Yeah, it should be uh, a fantastic weekend. Hopefully I'll get along to at least one or two of those matches. And um, obviously, of course, we'll keep you updated on the podcast. Um, but yeah, UEFA Youth League to come, Premier League International Cup as well, as we've spoken about already. No FA Youth Cup, as I said, for, for the under-18s, unfortunately, this season, but a title race, as we've spoken about. Hopefully they can, can keep going in that. And yeah, European football, which, which wasn't the case for, for either of these teams last season, into the knockout stages. Potentially they could go all the way in that. So loads of, of things to look forward to. Well, given the uh, insightful eye that you cast over the uh what going on at Kirby I'm sure that you may even complete your own Merseyside Derby treble next month but we'll have to wait and see thanks a lot for joining myself Guy Clark and Matt Addison here on the Academy show on Blood Red as I said right from the top if there's any players that you want to know about or anything within the Academy structure that we can help you with if you leave a comment in our YouTube page below this video of course if you're watching on YouTube or on the podcast head to the Blood Red YouTube channel put any comments or questions for Matt in there and we'll do our best to answer them going forward but thanks a lot for your time and company and until next time it's bye for now 
You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.